today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Sometimes we think something is so bad, and it really is good. And we think something is good, and it's really bad. We can't always make sense of the seasons of life. And Solomon is going to teach us how to navigate through the varying seasons of life. The first thing that he wants us to do is this. Understand we have a limited understanding. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see. You're changing our lives so we can be our heads and feet. God's plan for us and our world is so far beyond our grasp that there's no point trying to understand it. Today, Pastor Ed teaches that this is the same conclusion Solomon came to in his search for the understanding of life. The fact is, things that we consider difficult or bad sometimes are things that God is using to help us. Whether it's to prepare us for something to come or simply to protect us now, God is working for us. This being the case, it's important that we simply trust God and embrace the ride. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message. portion of scripture today as we go back into the book of Ecclesiastes is a portion of scripture that deals with the mysteries of our journey. How do we interpret the various seasons of life? Solomon talks in the third chapter about the seasons of life when he says, In verse 11 of chapter 3, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. Yet, they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Everything is beautiful in its time. It doesn't look that way to us at various seasons. We'll look at something and say, I don't understand that. That doesn't look so good. That doesn't feel so good. And God has put eternity in our hearts. In other words, we're going to live forever and ever. And there's a sense that we will be living not just in this present world, but in the world to come. We, We have that intuitive sense that this life is far too short. We were made for something more. But yet... As we look at life, we can't understand how all of the pieces fit together. Now, as I read the text that we're going to use this morning, I read it in several versions, I felt like the New Living Translation really conveyed the nuances of the Hebrew language in a way that the NIV didn't, in a way that some of the other versions didn't. So, I put the New Living Translation on the back of your study notes, and I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we read the biblical text. I'm going to start reading in chapter 6, go through chapter 7, verse 14. So follow carefully as we read. Everything has already been decided. 
It was known long ago what each person would be. So there's no use arguing with God about your destiny. The more words you speak, the less they mean. So what good are they? In the few days of our meaningless lives, who knows how our days can best be spent? Our lives are like a shadow. Who can tell what will happen on this earth after we are gone? A good reputation is more valuable than costly perfume. And the day you die is better than the day you are born. Better to spend your time at funerals than at parties. After all, everyone dies. So the living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter. For sadness has a refining influence on us. A wise person thinks a lot about death. While a fool thinks only about having a good time. Better to be criticized by a wise person than to be praised by a fool. A fool's laughter is quickly gone like thorns crackling in a fire. This also is meaningless. Extortion turns wise people into fools and bribes corrupts the heart. Finishing is better than starting. Patience is better than pride. Control your temper, for anger labels you as a fool. Don't long for the good old days. This is not wise. Wisdom is even better when you have money. Anybody with an amen on that? Okay. (laughs) Both are a benefit as you go through life. Wisdom and money can get you almost anything, but only wisdom can save your life. Accept the way God does things, for who can straighten out what he has made crooked? Enjoy prosperity while you can, but when hard times strike, realize that both come from God. Remember that nothing is certain in this life. Wow. How practical, how candid, how helpful if we take hold. Let's pray. Father, speak to us through your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our way. And may it light our way in the name of the Savior, in Jesus' name. What Solomon is doing in this text is he's helping us to see that life can't always be understood. There are things that are going to come into your life, happen to you, that you'll experience that you won't be able to make sense of. All of us have, I would imagine, put together a puzzle. Ever put together one of those big puzzles Spread it out on your living room table or your kitchen table. And and you're looking at the pieces and you think, where in the world does this fit? They must have put the wrong pieces in this box. Well, we look at life sometimes in that way. We experience something, we go through something, and we wonder, where in the world does this fit? 
It simply doesn't make sense. What Solomon is telling us is there is mystery to life. There are things that are beyond our ability to comprehend. But God knows and sees the big picture. We are to walk wisely with God and trust him in the seasons of life. Story of a Chinese woodcutter who lived on the border of China and Mongolia. And this is the story or the parable of it. It said that uh, he lived on the troubled Mongolian border. One day, his favorite horse, a beautiful white mare, jumped the fence and was seized on the other side by the enemy. His friends came to comfort him. We're sorry about your horse, they said. The bad news, that's bad news. How do you know it's bad news, he asked. It might be good news. A week later, the man looked out of his window to see a mare returning at breakneck speed beside a beautiful stallion. He put both horses into the enclosure and his friends came to admire the new addition. What a beautiful horse, they said. That's good news. How do you know it's good news, replied the man. It might be bad news. The next day, the man's only son decided to try the stallion. It threw him and he landed painfully, breaking his leg. The friends made another visit. All of them were sympathetic, saying, we're sorry about this. It's such bad news. How do you know it's bad news, replied the man. It might be good news. Within a month, a war erupted between China and Mongolia. Chinese recruits came through the area, pressing all the young men into the army. All of them perished, except for the woodcutter's son, who couldn't go off to war because of his broken leg. Sometimes we think something is so bad, and it really is good. And we think something is good, and it's really bad. We can't always make sense of the seasons of life. And Solomon is going to teach us how to navigate through the varying seasons of life. The first thing that he wants us to do is this. Understand we have a limited understanding of the seasons of life. In verse 12 of chapter 6, it says this. In the few days of our meaningless lives... Who knows how our days can best be spent? Our lives are like a shadow. Who can tell what will happen on this earth after we're gone? Who knows how we should spend our life? Who knows what the results is going to be? That's what he's saying. Have you ever wished for something and then you got it and then you wished you never got it? I mean, all of us have been there praying and praying for something, and God says, okay, if that's what you want, I'll give it to you. And you get it, and you say, oh, Lord, if you would just take this from me. We don't always know what's best for ourselves. The difficulty that we often find is when we find ourselves in one of those varying seasons of life that are difficult 
you can begin to do what so many do, argue with God. In verses 10 to 11, it says this, everything has already been decided. It was known long ago what each person would be. So there's no use arguing with God about your destiny. The more words you speak, the less they mean. So what good are they? And the NIV is translating that text a little differently, and the New Living Translation is capturing the nuances that we wouldn't see in the English language. Uh, The NIV says God has named everything ahead of time, and the idea was that God in his authority gave names. He named the days, he named man, and then he gave man the ability to name the animals. In other words, God had authority over these things and he set their bounds, their destiny, their personality, all of that. And what God's word is saying here is that God has made things the way they are. I know, some of you might think, why can't I sing? Why don't I have a soloist voice? Or why don't I have a mind that just is photographic and can remember everything? I don't excel in athletics, you might be thinking. I wish I could. Why didn't I look different? Or why were the circumstances of my family the way they are? Uh, We compare ourselves with ourselves, and that's never wise to do. And we could begin simply arguing with God, saying, God, I don't like the deck I've been dealt. Well, God has an answer for that. It's found in Isaiah chapter 45. 9 to 11. What sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator? Does a clay part argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute with the one who shapes it, saying, Stop! You're doing it wrong. Does a pot exclaim, How clumsy can you be? How terrible it would be if a newborn baby said to its father, Why was I born? Or if it said to its mother, Why did you make me this way? This is what the Lord says, the Holy One of Israel and your Creator. Do you question what I do for my children? Don't give me orders about the works of my hands. God is saying he is sovereign over our lives. Don't shake your fist in the face of God. In our our culture, what we've done is we have elevated man to God's position. We determine and we think we know what is best and we have excluded God from the culture thinking that he is inconsequential. Oh, that's so far from the truth. God determines the boundaries. God determines our lives. Simply be able to accept your giftings, your abilities, your talents, your skills, and develop them as far as you can. But recognize that whatever God gives you, use it for him. I like the words of Rudyard Kipling, the poet, who said, and only the master shall praise us, and only the master shall blame, and no one shall work for money, and no one shall work for fame but each for the joy of the working and each in his separate star 
shall draw the thing as he sees it, for the God of the things as they are. God made us uniquely. He made us differently. And we're to go after what God has made us to be and to do. Don't argue with him. Don't debate with him. We can't argue with God, but also we can't understand God's master plan. We just don't. In verse 12, for who knows what is good for a man in life during the few and meaningless days he passes through like a shadow? Who can tell him what will happen under the sun after he's gone? We don't know God's plan unless he reveals that plan to us. But he has a plan for every person's life. 1960, Hempstead, New York, in an Assembly of God church, the pastor was dedicating a young child. His father-in-law happened to be there, who was from the Ukraine. And during the dedication service, the father-in-law began to prophesy. He was a minister and evangelist. He began to prophesy that this child is called into the ministry. He was the youngest of three boys. And after the prophecy, they prayed. The parents moved to Pennsylvania years later. And they didn't share the incident with their son, didn't want to influence him uh, unduly, wanted him to know God's will in his own life. He grew up and uh, involved in a, a church and led the youth group and was attending college, had aspirations to be uh, involved in the sciences, wanted to make a lot of money, wanted to enjoy life, loved hunting, fishing, and all of that. Uh, That Sunday, the pastor that evening preached on the will of God and running from God's will. Now, he wasn't in church that night, but his friend was. His friend was so convicted that he told the pastor, you have to go and, and visit Ed. We have to go meet with him. Because he's been running from God's call. So they went to visit Ed Rowan in his house. And the friend and uh, the pastor came in. And he he said, tell Ed about the sermon. So he told him about the sermon. Told him about running from God, resisting God. And Ed became so convicted. He got on his knees, began to weep and cry. But he was still struggling with the call. Because he thought, Lord, how are you going to provide? Will you meet my needs? Well, he had an aunt who lived in Long Island and said, I have a burden on my heart, and she sent him a check. wasn't a lot of money. Probably was indication of what he would make throughout his lifetime, I guess. But it was a check for $10. And somehow that check for $10 did something in his heart. And he just knew he was to go to Bible college. He went to Valley Forge Christian College. And now he pastors in Dover, Pennsylvania, in a small country church. He didn't become a Billy Graham or an Oral Roberts. But God knew his plan for this man, that he would be pastoring in Dover, Pennsylvania. See, God knows what he's doing. You may not see all of the picture and understand all of the parts, but you simply need to trust him. Now, there are times, there are times that you wonder what in the world is going to happen next. Um, Jeremiah, the prophet, says in the 10th chapter, 
I know, Lord, that our lives are not our own. We are not able to plan our own course. So correct me, Lord, but please be gentle. Do not correct me in anger, for I would die. Jeremiah simply prayed, Lord, I know that you're the one who directs our lives. That should be all of our prayers, all of our desires. Lord, direct my steps. Order my steps in the way you want me to go. Guide, direct. Now, when you walk with God, it's an adventure. When you obey God, there's ups and downs, twists and turns. It's an exciting life. It's not dull following the Lord. Now, it reminds me of a sign that was outside a store in the UK. There was a store in the UK, and they had this sign outside. We have been established for over a 100 years and have been pleasing and displeasing our customers ever since. (laughs) We have made money and lost money, suffered the effects of coal nationalization, coal rationing, government control, and bad prayers. We have been cussed and discussed, messed about, lied to, held up, robbed, and swindled. The only reason we stay in business is to see what happens next. (laughs) And sometimes that's the way you feel about the journey. God, what's going to happen next? What Solomon is telling us is this. Walk wisely with God and trust him in every season of life. And now he shows us in the verses to follow in chapter 7 how to trust him in some of those seasons that are very, very difficult. And if you look at chapter 7, he says, wisely embrace what is best in the difficult seasons of life. Wisely embrace what is best in the difficult seasons of life. And I chose to use verses 11 and 12 because it captures what goes before it in verses 1 through 10. Wisdom, like an inheritance, is a good thing. And it benefits those who see the sun. Wisdom is a shelter as money is a shelter. But the advantage of knowledge is this, that wisdom preserves the life of its possessor. What it's saying is, it's good to have wisdom and money. Uh, You know, you you lose a job, you can pay the mortgage. Uh, You need medical care, you you could pay for the medical care. Uh, You're able to help someone in a time of need. Uh, Wisdom and money are good, it's like a shelter, but wisdom is better because It'll help you navigate wisely through the difficult seasons of life. And the first thing that he does is he he takes us to um, the funeral parlor. He takes us to the house of mourning. In verses 1 to 4, what he says, it's better to reflect on your death than ignore it. That's counterculture, especially with our society. We do everything not to think about it. But Solomon says, think about it. Now in verse 2, it says, Better to spend your time at funerals than at parties. After all, everyone dies. 
so the living should take this to heart. That's all we have time for today on Building in Faith Radio and invite you to join us again. In the meantime, we'd love to keep in touch with you. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. We're here to join with you in prayer for whatever is going on in your life or to answer any questions you may have about how you could have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That phone number again is 845-462-5955. Be sure to check out our website as well at buildinginfaithradio.com. There, you'll find messages from previous series available to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. We know that God is using the Building in Faith radio ministry to spread the good news of the gospel, but we encourage you to not let this be your only source for spiritual guidance. Reading the Bible, prayer, and fellowship with other believers are all extremely beneficial to anyone who wishes to grow closer to God. By getting plugged in with a local church, you'll also be able to bless others by sharing your unique gifts. If you're in the Poughkeepsie, New York area and don't have a church family, we welcome you to join us here at Faith Assembly. For location information, service times, and a calendar of other great upcoming events, visit our website at buildinginfaithradio.com and click on Back to Home page. That's all we have time for today, but join us next time right here on Building in Faith Radio as Pastor Ed continues to dig deeper into the pages of Ecclesiastes. Your word restores.